This is the Private School Marketing Minute. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Nick, and I am the host of this podcast and of this episode. Yes, this very episode that you're listening to right now, right here and today. It's been a while. It's been almost three months, uh, no, two months and a week or so uh, since we recorded a episode of the show. So happy new year. (laughs) Happy new year to you. Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff. I wanted to get back to recording this show right around January 20th or so, a couple weeks into January uh, with the new season of the show. This is season two, episode number 75. And I want to take a a Christmas break and just do some planning for the year uh, for this show and for the agency in general. And then, of course, family stuff. Um, You guys know how crazy the holidays are, Um, but all good things, of course, and was planning on coming back a few weeks into the month of January. But that, of course, did not happen. Uh, I severely, severely underestimated the amount of work (laughs) That I would have to come back to after taking some time off um, just because a bunch of new projects kind of started all at once. And I'm sure that's how a lot of you guys feel when you're coming back uh, into your roles back at the school after uh, winter break. It's just kind of like drinking from a fire hose for a little bit. And uh, we finally toned down the fire hose. So um, I spent last week planning out a few episodes, uh, just doing some planning over the break in general for the show. Uh, and just like life planning and company planning, not a huge, um, you know, goal setting guy, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't check my goals every week or I don't keep them by my bed or I don't keep affirmations, uh, you know, post noted to my mirror or anything like that. But I do like to plan, uh, some stuff that I want to do or just aim, aim for throughout the year. Um, so I did a lot of that. And the one thing that I did learn, probably the most helpful uh, bit of information that I've learned when it comes to planning stuff and and goal setting is to uh, write your goals, of course, but then you want to also write down why you want to achieve those goals and how you're going to achieve them. That's really helped me uh, actually get some of this stuff done. And I like to look back uh, on the previous year's goals towards the end of the uh, end of the year and just kind of see what what took place. Um, and we got to do uh, pretty much 80% of the stuff that I set out to do last year by uh, God's grace and glory. So um, we did that same for, same thing for this year. As far as this show goes, and thank you guys, by the way, for listening uh, over the break. Uh, you guys have been playing the show like crazy. Uh, I was surprised. I thought that the numbers would drop off drastically. I didn't think anybody would be playing the show over the break. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of new people here because the older episodes are getting listened to again and again. And, um, you know, to my surprise and delight. So welcome to the show. If you're new here, uh, I'm happy that you're here. And we do have an exciting uh, season planned for us this year. We're going to be adding some new stuff to the show. I teased this a little bit in the episode previous to this one. But I want to start um, giving you guys some more information, some more content, hopefully some more helpful stuff. Uh, more in-depth, more detail, longer-form episodes, so you guys have uh, just more meat to work with. Or if you're vegan like me, you got more tofu to work with, more protein, basically, is what I'm saying. 
so that's what I'm aiming for this year and this season. I want to uh, add in a longer form episode, like a special episode, maybe once a month, uh, either teaching through something more in depth or kind of like an interview style with people in the industry, other school marketers, heads of school, superintendents, uh, this sort of thing. Uh, industry adjacent people. So like, you know, conversion rate optimization experts, content marketer experts, social media experts, uh, people who, you know, do the stuff that we need to do, but are not necessarily in the education space. I think uh, it's always helpful to have an outside set of eyes, especially if they uh, are adjacent to your industry. So they're doing something that you need to know how to do. And they can give a kind of fresh perspective and pull from their insights and working with, you know, crypto companies or computer building companies or watchmakers. I don't know how many more, I don't know how many watchmakers there are out there these days, but other companies to uh, give new ideas, new perspectives on how we can do things in the industry that we work in. So I'm hoping to bring some of that uh, industry insiders. So people at uh, companies who work with loads of schools and have access to data and trends, you know, people from, Companies like Niche and these sorts of places, uh, Final Sight, stuff like that, Facts, um, people you know within the industry that can give us more helpful, useful information. I'm hoping to add some of that into this season, and I think it would be cool. I'm excited for it, and uh, if you know anybody that you'd like to have on the show, please send me a message on LinkedIn. Uh, that's always linked in the show notes below. Give me their contact info, maybe, you know, connect us on an email, something like that. I'm happy to take your suggestions and uh, potentially get those sorts of people on the show. So thank you in advance for that. Uh, over the winter break, we had some family in town. I took some time off. I uh, went to North Carolina on a road trip. Um, snowed a lot, which was really nice. Coming from Florida, there's, you know, I've, I've seen like frost on some grass one time. <laughs> but that's about it. Um, I haven't been in the snow since I was like maybe four years old and I don't even really remember that. I just remember seeing the photos. So it kind of skews my memory of whether or not I actually see it or remember it or if I'm just pulling from those photos. But anyways, yeah, that was cool to see. Um, I was there with our one and a half year old, my wife's side of the family. Uh, we went to, uh, we were in a cabin in uh, the mountains. We went to Beach Mountain uh, there was a bunch of snow there. It was kind of crazy. It was uh, like snow-covered Christmas trees and cabins, and we went snow sledding there on a hill. That was a blast. Uh, got some amazing photos, made some great memories. It's a lot harder to travel nowadays with a one-and-a-half-year-old and a pregnant wife, but harder than it was when we were, you know, just the two of us. Uh, but more fulfilling and more rewarding nonetheless. Uh, we've got another one. We got a girl on the way in April of this year. I guess that would be the only time we could have a kid, right? April this year. Couldn't couldn't be April of next year. That would be a 14-month pregnancy, 16-month pregnancy. <laughs> so April of this year. Um, so, you know, we're uh, looking forward to that and just doing lots of prep and, you know, learning. Um, preparing ourselves for uh, this new arrival coming in April. But I digress. Today, I just wanted to spend some time catching up with you guys because it's been a little while. Today, we're going to be talking about 
six things, count them six, one, two, three, four, five, and six things to make the 24, 25 the biggest enrollment year yet. So let's get into that. I got my coffee here. Uh, just made it. It's three o'clock, coffee number two. I haven't had 10 shots of caffeine like I did uh, that one time I uh, was telling you guys about in the previous episode. So I'm not super wired. I'm just focused and ready to get into it. So the very first thing you want to do is to collect data from your website and align all of your calls to action. This is the first of the six things that you can do to make uh, 24, 25 the biggest enrollment year yet. Now, the reason you want to collect this data and align all your calls to actions calls to action is because without collecting this information, you don't know how to improve. You don't know where the holes are. You don't know if any of the marketing that you're doing is actually working, uh, what it's leading to, if it's leading to anything at all. You don't know where to focus your time and energy because you're not collecting any information. Um, there are probably more reasons than I can name. The, the list would run off the page of why this is an important thing to do. So we want to start there. We want to start collecting all of the valuable information uh, that we can from your website so we can use that to make better decisions. Now, what is that valuable information? Well, the very first thing is going to be all of the places that people can either uh, reach out to you through calls or emails to ask questions, you know, to your admin team, things like this. Uh, form submissions. So if you guys allow people to fill out a form for an open house or a tour to request one of those or to register for the open house. Also, uh, if you allow people to register online for your school or to download uh, like information packets, things like this, uh, lead generators. So if you're offering any sort of valuable bit of info uh, in exchange for somebody to give you their contact information so you can get them in your email list uh, or your uh, phone call list, this sort of thing, anything that you deem valuable, you want to track that. And when you start tracking that, you'll be able to see where people are coming from, how they're getting to your site, and then what actions uh, are they leading to. So, you, for example, you could say uh, Google search seems to you know drive a lot of actual registrations to our open house versus something like uh, I don't know, like a social, like a Facebook page, for example. And with that information, you know, you can kind of uh, distrib distribute your resources accordingly. So maybe you want to spend more time focusing on Google search and less time focusing on building an audience on your Facebook page, for example. This is going to help you in many ways. It's going to help you uh, spend your time in the right places, but it's also going to allow you to find out which sources are actually leading to valuable actions, uh, which of course is a foundational uh, if you're going to be talking about how you can increase your enrollment and registration for this upcoming year. So make sure you can track all the valuable actions on your site using analytics tools like Google Tag Manager, GA4, and uh, social media accounts, the pixels that those social media accounts offer uh, and the events that you can track uh, directly on those social media accounts. You want to get all that set up. Now, by the way, any, if you have any questions about any of this, any of this stuff, like how to specifically set them up for your school, go ahead and reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's linked in the show notes below. And I can um, give you some more information about how you can actually do that. Now, number two 
on the list is to use your juice, what I'm calling this section. And your juice is anything that you have available to you. So what that may look like is any influential people that you know, uh, any connections that anyone on the staff has, uh, anybody that anyone on the staff has access to, um, people at larger organizations, people in government, people um, that are popular on social media platforms, um, people that are in publications like your local newspaper or your local city magazine. You want to list out all the people, platforms, connections that anyone on staff has access to, and then you want to figure out how to leverage that influence. Now, this is helpful because it's making use of what you already got. Most of the time, this sort of thing is going to be free because it's uh, connection-based. You don't need to spend any money on advertising to get access to new people. You can just utilize the people that you already have access to. Now, I'm not talking about you know using them. I'm just talking about leveraging them, <laughs> okay? There is a difference. You don't want to be, um, you know, it doesn't want to be grossly one-sided. You want to be, you don't want to be taking advantage of, of people, you know, uh, lying to people, this sort of thing. It's just making use of the resources that you have access to. Um, uh, company executives, uh, if you are associated with a church or another organization, this can be accessing the congregation or the platforms of the organization that you're associated with, like the, their email list, um, their social media channels, any outlets that they have uh, that you could be a part of uh, in kind of like a, a cross-promotion type of way. Uh, this will get you uh, kind of like a quick bang for your buck. A lot of times this sort of stuff goes uncovered or uh, flies under the radar because nobody ever really asks, hey, who do you know that I should know? Uh, this is the question that you should be asking to all your staff. Chances are somebody's going to know somebody somewhere or multiple places uh, that you guys can then use to get your school in front of a new audience, right? So use your juice, take the time, make that list, and then figure out how you can leverage the influence of the people on that list, right? This could be like relationship-based, so um, scheduling you know, lunch with these sorts of people just to talk, pick their brain, that sort of stuff. It doesn't need to be, um, oh, you're a reporter? Do a write-up about us like right away. You know, It could just be relationship building. In fact, it probably should be um, so you can then uh, utilize these people you know, in a responsible fashion. Okay. <laughs> All right. The next thing you want to do, number three on the list, is to find your tilt and stand for it. Now, what happens is... Uh, most schools out there are saying the exact same thing. We talked about this ad nauseum in the first season, but it's something that uh, still happens. <laughs> I run into it every single day. Uh, most school websites are generic. They don't know who they are, what they stand for, what they don't stand for. And if they do, then they don't clearly communicate that on their website through their marketing materials or through the conversations that they have with prospective families. So uh, the truth is there's a lot of school life that is generally the same, no matter what campus you're on. But the problem is most parents have very little to no reason to choose one school over another, other than things like tuition price and proximity to their home, because schools don't do a good job of finding their tilt 
and standing for it. So it leaves parents no real, uh, no real teeth in whether or not, uh, whether or not they want to choose one school over another because they don't really have anything to grab onto because every school is kind of all pretty much the same, saying the same thing, standing for the same stuff. Uh, and they don't really have much differentiation between them. And what happens is schools get locked in a combat between uh, tuition price and proximity to prospective families, uh, location, or home. Now, you don't want to be locked in a tuition price battle because tuition price is something that can always go up or down. And if you don't have anything that uh, sticks that makes you stand out from the others, then you're kind of forcing yourself into a situation to where you have to continually keep lowering your tuition in order to get new prospective families enrolled. Now, the better thing to do would be to pick something that you can really get behind that would separate you from the rest of the people and to focus the other schools and to focus on that thing in all of your marketing and advertising messaging. Now, that doesn't mean that you could only have one thing that you're good at, but it is to say that there should be one main thing that you're communicating. And that main thing can change over time. It doesn't need to be something that's set in stone. Um, it could be something that you test, shift every now and then in order to see if you can, uh, you know, just grow and evolve. Um, and you can end up doing multiple things very well. But you shouldn't have confused mixed messaging. It's, it should be one thing that you uh, stand for that you're communicating across all these different marketing platforms and uh, that you're delivering a consistent message on. Now, you want to draw a line in the sand and double down on it. This could be things like committing to having the best programs or the best program in your area, uh, hiring top-tier talent, building state-of-the-art facilities, or it could be something as simple as leaning into a specific school culture, like uh, developing leaders or fostering a culture of servitude as your guiding principles. And then in doubling down on that would be making sure that all of the things that you do feed into and answer to those guiding principles. Now, the most important thing here is that you find something that makes you different, something that you can truly achieve to lean into it and to share that message. Now, doing so uh, will help you attract right fit families naturally because it's going to appeal to the people that are drawn to that distinctive, uh, which is going to give them more substance to hang on to when they're making their education decisions. So you're going to find that you actually get higher quality leads uh, and better fit families when you have a specific message than if you're just doing something broad. Because if you're doing something broad, casting a wide net, you're going to get a lot of fish swimming into that net that you might not actually actually want. There's going to be some bycatch if we're going to stick with the fishing analogy here. <laughs> so when you cast a narrow net, if you go through the narrow gate, <laughs> right, then you're going to get a specific group of people. It's going to be the group of people that appeal to the message that you're saying, which is going to be the group of people that you actually want to attract. So it's going to be a better use of your time. Uh, you'll have less churn, you'll get higher quality leads, this sort of thing. Uh, now this can help you from being stuck in the tuition world with other schools in your area. Now, if there's nothing different about your school versus 
uh, other schools in your area, then parents are going to choose the one with the lower tuition, right? So being unique affords you the ability to even start to command a higher price of your tuition, which of course will allow you to reinvest into more uh, higher quality talent, facilities, upgrading stuff, adding new classes, new programs, this sort of thing. So you can see how this one change uh, when done the right way over time can then start to feed into growth and stability in a handful of other areas, which is ultimately going to drive the further success of your school. It's kind of like building a moat around your castle, right? You're, you're insulating yourself from uh, other schools and from going out of business <laughs> because you're investing in the things that are actually going to set you up for success, you know, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, right? Okay, so point number four is to commit to a quarterly open house. This is point number four, right? Yes, uh, commit to a quarterly open house. Now, open houses are tours. Open houses and tours are foundational in every school's enrollment funnel, right? Uh, most families need to do either an open house or a tour before they actually make a decision for it or against your school. So if you commit to hosting an open house on a regular basis, then you ensure that your enrollment engine just kind of keeps on running, right? Because you know every quarter you've got an open house coming. We're preparing for it. We're marketing it. We're uh, doing all we can to get more register registrations for that open house so we can fill it up. And then when that open house comes, people are going to attend. A certain subset of those people are going to enroll right then and there. Another subset of those people are going to enroll at a later date. All the while, a lot of people are hearing our messaging they then go and tell their friends about it. So you spread the word of mouth aspect of it, which we all know is the most important piece when it comes to uh, private school registrations. So you you get this uh, cyclical uh, sort of situation to where your enrollment engine is always churning out some results. Uh, that's one of the reasons why it's important to commit to doing something to doing something like this quarterly. Now, I like open houses over tours for a few reasons, and I did a whole episode about this uh, last season. You can go ahead and look at that. I think it's called uh, Building a Consistent Flow of Leads with Cyclical Open Houses, something along those lines. Go ahead and check that one out. I'll link it in the show notes below. Um, but open houses, I think, are better than tours because you can pitch your school to more than one person at once. Uh, you know, a whole room full of people, ideally. So it's a much better use of your time, right? This is why people people do speaking gigs uh, at events because they can sell to a whole room full of people who are interested in what they have to offer versus just spending their time trying to sell to one person, right? So you get a whole room full of people at the open houses. You can give a more sophisticated presentation when you do open houses by design because you're hosting an event versus walking someone around the school one by one. You can have the presentation prepared. Uh, you can do all sorts of interesting things. You can do giveaways, uh, gifts for people when they arrive. Uh, you also get a bunch of people in a room together, which kind of has like a social currency element to it because seeing other people interested in the same thing as you builds this sense of community and eagerness, uh, eagerness to want to be a part of it. So you kind of create that aspect. You could have uh, current students or current families there to give their perspective of your school, which of course will help the cause. Um, 
but on the on the social currency element, seeing a bunch of people interested in the same thing that you're interested in kind of makes it feel uh, more real and that there is actually uh, something here, right? So if all these people are also interested in this, maybe this is something that I should actually really consider to do, right? So um, tours, of course, aren't necessary as a plan B, just in case people can't make it to the open house date, you know, people's schedules are, are what they are. Sometimes it's hard to fit in uh, open house on a specific date. So you want to offer tours as a secondary option, but they should not be the main thing. You should be pushing everybody to come to this open house. And then of course, offer them the tour if they need to, right? Okay. Step number five of this six step plan is to focus on talent acquisition. Acquisition. In recent years, it's been really hard to find good staff. That's not just unique to the education industry. That's across the board, whether it's because minimum wage increases or small labor pool or something else, schools can be throttled by not having enough staff members to fill their empty classrooms or uh, to not be able to accommodate for the growth that they'll ideally receive from implementing the strategies that we talk about on this episode uh, and largely in this podcast, right? So if you do these things (laughs) that we teach, then your school should grow. And if your school's growing, you're going to need to hire talent. So rather than kind of be behind the eight ball, we want to focus on at least starting that process of attracting the right talent and top tier talent. So when we need to grow, we're not having to spend months trying to get this whole thing started up. Um, it'll, it'll, basically cut the run, cut the lead time, shorten the runway significantly if we start ahead of time. So how do you do that, right? Um, you want to focus on building a talented labor pool so you can prepare for future growth. Sometimes accessing better talent is as simple as just reorganizing things logistically to be able to pay people more money. Um, other times you have to do some things more creative and Sometimes that's better to do <laughs> because a lot of times uh, c- schools, companies will focus on just the payment aspect, just the salary. But really, there are a number of reasons why somebody wants to continue working somewhere or seek new employment at somewhere else at another school. Right. There's not any anybody will tell you, you know, the reason that they go to work is not solely for this one purpose, right? Other factors play into it. Yes, of course, there's money, but then there's benefits, right? Health insurance, um, 401ks, this sort of thing, retirement plans. Um, They like the status of the job. They like to feel respected. They like to feel like they are valued, like they know what they're talking about. They like to do what they love. They like the vacation days or the seasonality of the job the flexibility of the schedule, this sort of stuff. So uh, we need to figure out unique things that your school has that will uh, lend to your benefit in hiring people and hiring the best people that you can hire. So similar to being in a tuition cost war with other schools, you want to avoid being in an hourly hourly wage or salary war with other schools. Now you avoid that by making your school a desirable place to work, right? There are 
the handful of things that come to mind straight away when you think about what makes a desirable or what a desirable workplace would look like. Some of those things that we just talked about, um, but it's probably a combination of those things. So taking stock of what your staff cares about uh, would be a really great place to start. So I'd recommend doing a survey and asking your staff what are the things that they really enjoy working for your organization? What are the things they really enjoy about working for your organization? And what are the things that they care about most in working for your organization? So are they mostly motivated by salary or are they mostly motivated by uh, the time off or being valued, uh, feeling um, respected, these sorts of things? You can do it on kind of like a one through 10 scale. You'll get all that information and you'll be able to kind of benchmark where people are at so you can then start to uh, carve out a unique place in the field of where your school sits when it comes to your workplace environment. Uh, Once you have that, you can then kind of use that as your angle when you're looking for new talent. This could be in your ads. This is basically uh, taking what we do for schools to advertise for new enrollment. That strategy just shifted to attract employees versus students. So you'll find with a lot of things, which is why I think it's helpful to talk to people in kind of like industry adjacent positions. Um, You'll find a lot of things with marketing are generally the same. The principles are the same no matter what industry you work in because people care about the same things. The people are, people make decisions based on, you know, a handful of factors. So we're trying to push on those and uh, ultimately guide people and, 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 educate people as to why you're the best option. Now, we do that with your school. We do that with schools by trying to educate families as to as to why your school's the best option. We want to do that with potential employees to educate them as to why your school would be a great place to work, right? So first take stock of what your current employees care about and then look at how you can take that data and formulate a couple unique positions as to uh, what makes your school a desirable and unique workplace to then use when you are trying to hire uh, new talent. An example of this would be if you see that a majority or a significant amount of employees care about uh, retirement benefits. What you could do maybe is offer the chance for those employees to meet with a financial advisor on a regular basis that you'll cover a cost for to help them uh, ensure that they're going to be be able to retire at the level that they want to and how they can plan in order to get there. That's a unique thing that is focused on uh, what people actually care about. That's not really going to cost you much more money, right? It's going to be a lot cheaper than having to pay a hundred employees, you know, two or three more dollars an hour, this sort of thing. So you can kind of sidestep that sometimes and uh, give people something that they actually care about, maybe care about more so than salary and kind of set yourself up as uh, unique and 
a desirable place to want to work at, right? So the last thing, point number six that we have here is to build a wait list. Now you should never stop building your wait list, right? What's the acronym for that? N-S-B-Y-W, N-S-B-Y-W. Never stop building your wait list. <laughs> now, if you don't have one, then building one should be the goal that you are actively working towards. And if you do have one, then you should focus on keeping it, keep on building it. Now, a waiting list, it's like gold. It can provide you with extreme peace of mind. Now, you don't need to wonder if you're going to be able to not fill the open seats that you have if you lose some students, just due to the natural ebb and flow of enrollment and re-enrollment. You have the luxury of choosing the right fit student versus having to take whatever you get. Now, this is helpful because being able to select the right fit family usually means that the student that's enrolled will stay longer and have a high, higher likelihood of actually thriving and fitting with the school culture. So it's, uh, you know, less weight on staff and uh, just a better experience for the family across the board. They waitlist will kind of essentially act as like a pre-order list, much like how you go to Kickstarter or websites like GoFundMe, uh, how they work to kind of pre-fund projects, engage interest. They a waitlist can kind of be seen as the same thing, right? So uh, a waitlist will kind of allow you to know that if you add another grade, for example, then that grade will be full right from the start. The peace of mind is great. The actual uh, validity that this direction, like this new thing that you want to add is something that people are actually interested in is great because it's going to prove that it's not going to be a waste of money. It's already going to be pre-funded, essentially. The, the benefits of having a wait list would kind of run off the page as well. So I would encourage you to never stop building one start building one right away. And if you currently have one, continue to build it so you can keep it full year round, right? So hopefully this episode helped. If it did, let me know. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just check the show notes below. I'd be happy to talk with you there. Uh, maybe talk with you about some specific things that you're dealing with at your school. Uh, be able to give you some specific advice. You know, this podcast, I can only kind of speak generally. And I enjoy being able to have these one-on-one -on -one conversations and uh, get to know you, the listeners, put a name to the face and uh, be able to actually offer some specific guidance to you in your situation. So check the show notes below for my LinkedIn. Uh, happy to continue the conversation there. And it's good to be back. Thank you guys for listening again, for being subscribed. Uh, it's a true pleasure to be able to do this. And I'm glad that I'm back and that you guys were enjoying the show throughout the break. It's reassuring to me. Uh, it's really nice to see that you guys are finding value in this, and thanks. All right, so as always, I've been Nick, and I'll see you next week.